0: what's going on ladies and gents robert sykes ketosavage.com and today i have two special guests ben and brandon from keto farms met them both at the metabolic health summit and they've got their own food product we just kicked it off so i'm super excited to dive into their story without further ado how are you gentlemen doing great robert thanks for having us absolutely it, it was uh, it was pretty cool y'all handed me this bag of, of food and i think it, the serving size was what like four servings, six servings or something like that
1: three and a, three and a half ish. three and a
0: half yeah it didn't take me long to eat the whole bag it was pretty pretty dang good well
2: yeah robert it, it was funny we remember that and you know when you're first starting out a, a food business you know you eat the product yourselves but there there's always a little bit of doubt you know or is the rest of the world going to love it? You know, what's the reception going to be? And we had just launched it. But, but watching you inhale that bag of tomato, <laughs> pepper, yeah, snack mix kind of gave us that feeling that, you know what, maybe we have something here. So
1: I do remember that very well. And that was... <laughs> All of a sudden you got really quiet and we, we wondered if you walked off and, you know, sure enough, we looked to our left and you were just, the bag was tipped over in your mouth. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like to eat. There's no doubt
0: about that. And it just makes it that much more enjoyable when the food you're eating tastes really good. And there's no, there's no worry about the ingredients that are in it because it's all clean. But I, I don't want to talk about that yet. I, I, I want to save that for later because just jump out to food, you know, the way I think. Um, before we get into the y'all's product and the story behind that, talk to me about like your, your you know, even beginning store like what got you both? I mean, how did y'all even meet each other in the first place? Then what got y'all into the, you know, keto low carb space? And then from there into producing your own food product?
1: Yeah, totally. So this is Ben, and um, I think I'll start and I will give a little preface probably on my own personal health journey, which naturally takes us into how Brandon and I originally met and then uh, the starting foundation for Keto Farms. And so if we, we rewind back to... You know, college time for myself. It was around 2009 and uh, I was studying at Indiana University and I had really taken a passion in the Japanese culture and the Japanese language. And so it was my minor alongside a business degree. And it led me to a study abroad program uh, for the first semester of my junior year. And so that was in 2009. And I moved to Japan in Tokyo for six months and I lived there uh, with two different Japanese families studying the language and the culture. And really having an amazing time. It was kind of the full realization of everything I had been preparing for my prior two years in college and studying the language and getting ready for this transformational experience. And, and for reasons that I didn't know at the time, it, it truly was transformational. Um, not only was I really engaging and interacting well with the host family, my language skills were improving, um, but I noticed something interesting in that I was feeling really, really good. And I was actually losing a little bit of weight and my energy was almost perfect. And so far as I was really sleeping like a rock, you know, I've always been kind of a a troubled sleeper, uh, maybe a Mm -hmm. little bit of anxiety or kind of worry uh, in my DNA. Um, But it was so funny that even though in Japan, in this Japanese home, I was sleeping on a hard tatami mat on the floor every single night, barely any cushion and a small, thin pillow. I was sleeping the best i ever slept in my life. And honestly, I was so perplexed that, you know, I was, it was very, very strange, right? And um, trying to figure out what about this experience and what about me being in Japan had me feeling and and ultimately sleeping so well. Uh, and then one day it, it hit me. and. Uh, as soon as I noticed this, uh, I noticed it again and again and again in every single place that I went. And what that was is that every single thing that I was eating uh, was completely fresh and unprocessed. And as soon as I had that realization, I, I looked in the cabinets at my host family's kitchen, and there was really no cabinets because there were, and everything in the cabinets was dishes. There was no food storage in the cabinets because everything that my host mother prepared for me every single day. Uh, was shopped for at the local market and brought home and prepared fresh. And we ate as a family around uh, the dinner table every single night. And anything that we didn't eat for dinner was kind of, you know, ushered into uh, the breakfast in the morning. And then, you know, the whole cycle repeated. Um, and so that that actually spawned, you know, a real uh, interest for myself in kind of that way of eating of, of truly like clean, unprocessed foods uh, as a way to access better energy, better health, better sleep. Um, which carried me really through uh, the, you know, the better portion of my 20s, um, you know, developed a real passion for cooking, for cuisine, for international food, uh, and overall, just really clean eating, preparing my own foods, both at home and, you know, taking with me to work or uh, to school or, you know, whatever it was. Uh, and then if we just, you know, very quickly fast forward, uh, and this is this is getting into how I first learned about the ketogenic diet, uh, late 2016, and um, I had had uh, a pretty interesting career in food and beverage, uh, moved through a couple of different companies, uh, but was you know, ultimately very, very career focused and very mm-hmm. interested in how do I get to that next step? How do I increase my productivity all the while sort of looking great and you know, dating and feeling better day to day? And of course, as any late 20-year-old millennial male uh, with that mindset would... I was listening religiously to, uh, the Tim Ferriss show and the Joe Rogan show, um, which I'm I'm sure, uh, you're fond of as well. Absolutely. you know, in late 2016, it it was, you know, a really unique time in that, uh, both of those guys had, uh, Dom DiAgostino on their podcasts. And Mm -hmm. for the first time, uh, I heard Dom on the Tim Ferriss show and jumped over uh to the to um the joe rogan show and saw that he was on there as well while i was listening and i just you know completely took down the tim Ferriss show and immediately listened to the three-hour joe rogan show right after i was on a long road trip at the time um and let me tell you man my mind was completely blown the things that he was talking about and all the benefits and all the things that you know maybe i was having trouble with in my life uh that I wanted to fix or improve. Uh, there, it seemed that keto, uh, as a diet and as a life a lifestyle could solve those things. Um, and so I was forever intrigued and pretty much, uh, like the next day I, I started uh, a ketogenic diet and pretty much, you know, the last few years ever since then, um, I've been cycling the diet and feeling really good. So that's, uh, that's my personal story, and I think I'll, I'll share it over to Brandon and he can kind of tell about his, which intersects into how we met and all of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brandon here. So, you know, my personal health journey starts as most, um, you know, standard American kids uh, living in the Midwest, eating a very uh, kind of standard uh, kid diet, so to speak. I... I can remember coming home off the school bus and rushing inside to eat an entire tray of bagel bites. Um, really didn't have the patience to oven bake them, so I would microwave them. Uh, quickly moved <laughs> into bowl after bowl of ice cream, two different flavors alternating between them. Um, and, you know, that's that's how I lived for, for many years and never thought much about it. Um, but, you know, fast forward a little bit into high school, getting getting more active, getting more focused on sports like tennis, um, and just wanting to look better, um, starting to date and whatnot, um, developed relatively healthy eating habits, um, a good gym regimen. Uh, and that really lasted me, you know, all through, through college, um, a slight hiccup, you know, freshman year of college with the freshman 15. Um, but really into my adult life, um, really felt, you know, happy with the way I looked and, and relatively pleased with the way that I was eating and never felt like I needed any sort of change. And, um, so that really led to, you know, where I, I met Ben. And, um, so we met at a company, um, that was in the, the meal replacement space. Uh, it was a food startup and I was in, uh, finance, Ben was in marketing. And so he was always asking me for more money. I would have to have to turn him down and, but we really started to spend a lot of time together um, in the lunchroom. Is where our, sort of our first earlier interactions took place. Um, the company we're at had had lunch catered every day, so you can imagine fried chicken sandwiches and all sorts of other delicious but but terrible for you food. And uh, we were the the two guys that was pulling out you know fresh made meals from the fridge that we had packed. You know Ben might have a sardine salad you know, I might have grilled salmon with sweet potatoes. And so that just naturally led to a lot of conversations about um, our health and our eating patterns. And, um, you know, Ben was the first one that kind of told me about the ketogenic diet. And it was early last year. So in January, you're always in a mindset to kind of try new things or make changes. And, and you know, to be honest, you know, Ben challenged me to, to do the ketogenic diet with him. I guess he had had a, had a brief period of getting off course in December over the holidays and wanted to get back on it. And, and I, you know, I agreed to do it really just out of curiosity. Um, I didn't really have any expectations or goals that I wanted from it like, like many people do. Um, I just thought it would be fun. And, you know, I thought it would, might be neat to challenge my own beliefs of what I thought healthy eating was and felt like I had very little to lose. And so, you know, just kind of jumped in full steam on, on keto and you know after after a few weeks into the first month on the diet um you know i really didn't look that much different um i thought i felt better but i was still wondering did it did i feel better you know i would ask ask my girlfriend hey do i do i look any better she said no you look exactly the same and so i'm sitting here wondering you know okay like if i don't look any different you know why am i so intrigued by this diet why do i feel so passionate and, and even at this point we were Starting to even talk about creating a company around it and said, well, better figure out what, what it is about this diet that is making me so, you know, feel so passionate. And and after some reflection, it hit me. And, you know, the the power of keto for me was truly freedom from food. Um, and it mm-hmm. was freedom at last from a strict eating schedule, you know, and looking back on, on the last 10 years and even this period of, you know, feeling like I was eating healthy and living healthy. um Food really controlled my life. You know, I could never have skipped breakfast. It was the first thing I thought about when I got up in the morning. Um, I ate every two and a half hours on the dot. You know, I really feared feared that my metabolism would shut down if I missed a meal. And and, and we even kind of joke about it. But I used to pack um, you know, kind bars in my pockets before going out to the bars at night, uh, just because I, I feared that that hunger would would hit me while I was out socializing, and then I would have to have to eat and of course people made fun of me and I looked ridiculous but you know it it was a real problem in my life and and what this diet taught me was with how to use energy from my own body and how you know if if I didn't eat you know not only was my body not gonna shut down but in a lot of ways it could actually heal itself and 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 make myself feel better and through you know intermittent fasting and a lot of the other principles you learn through the ketogenic diet um, taught me that there's a lot more energy to, to be harvested from your own body and and you, and it helped me develop a much more positive relationship with food and so that's really what made me feel so passionate with the diet and and then you know and we can get into this a little bit but that's what really was kind of the jumping off point for Ben and I to start thinking about how can we create a company and really devote our lives to this you know this lifestyle movement that we saw happening all around us
0: and and just to clarify y'all weren't in college together right y'all met through the company you hired on it that?
2: that's correct yes
0: gotcha and, and totally random as well what what made you want to go to Japan in the first place been just curiosity of the international culture or what
1: to be honest it's it's like a following in your father's footsteps story um, my dad uh, studied Japanese uh, in his college life and um, spent some time over there maybe about a year uh, when he was in his early 20s as well so you know, as a child, there was a lot of Japanese influence in the home. We did a lot of Japanese eating and, you know, he even taught me a little bit of the language as a, as a young child. Um, so I think there was, there was always that operating and um, what ultimately led to, to my, to my passion for the culture and the language and, and, you know, pursuing that studying track. Um, I'm
0: curious, what is like a typical meal? I mean, everybody assumes Asian cultures just eat predominantly rice, but that probably isn't just it, right?
1: Well, there, there's definitely a lot of rice. Definitely a lot of rice. Not keto. <laughs> <laughs> Even in that, it, well, it's, it's, it's a lot of fish, and it's not necessarily fish in a sushi format. You know, sushi, more often than not, in, in standard Japanese culture, is more of like um, a special occasion type of dining experience. Um, fish more like a uh, fish fillet or even a, uh, you know, a smaller, um, species fish eaten, you know, whole, uh, mm-hmm. maybe, uh, you know, alongside a, a bowl of rice, but eaten whole insofar as it has the eyes, it has all the bones, like all of the, the natural equipment of the fish is, is being eaten by you, including the bones. And so you're getting, it's like eating sardines, really, you know, you're getting yeah. the entire, the entire nutrition of the animal. Um, So it's it's a lot of that style eating and a lot of uh, a lot of pickled vegetables, a lot of pickled radish, uh, pickled foods. um, So a lot of that vinegar at work with firing the metabolism. And um, but yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of rice balls eaten on the go. Um, And the food markets there are like on a whole nother level,
0: like people go to like a farmer's market here in the States and they just, you know, you get like. Twenty booths or so to choose from, but you go to like a food market in these Asian cultures, and it's like a whole other level. I mean, it's it's like the outdoor food markets. Is that kind of what you would go to there?
1: Yeah, and, and it's that, but it's also it's like a farmers market grocery store. You know, the feeling mm-hmm. is a farmers market, but that's just what the grocery market is. And uh, fascinating enough, uh, Japan has at least Tokyo has this concept of. Uh, Kind of these like vertical department stores where every level offers something different, but they might go up like, you know, 15, 20 levels. And on the ground level or maybe the basement level of every department store is a fresh foods market um, where you can literally drop by and pick up, you know, everything from, you know, fresh produce, you know, uh, the butcher counter, you know, fresh seafood, you know, everything in the like is all available right there and kind of in this, this farmer's market like experience. So cool.
2: I'll, I'll interject just for a second. I, I had the, the pleasure of going to Japan this past year as well for, for a week with some friends. And um, one thing that, you know, people told me about that that blew me away was the, uh, the convenience stores, the Seven Elevens 11s in, in Japan. I mean, I think there's like 60,000 of them. There's like, you know, one on every corner but they have food there that's fresher than a lot of restaurants here in the United States, you know, and you can go and you can get, um, you know, rice balls that might have, you know, grilled steak or they might have tuna in them. Uh, and so, instead of the hot dogs and whatnot we have as grab-and-go foods here, uh, you can eat like a king at a Seven <laughs> Eleven. And, you know, that, that just kind of opened my eyes that it's like, well, if, if this is the level of quality and food available at, at gas stations and convenience stores then think just how the whole level of, of clean eating must be relative um to what we have here in the states and you know it certainly carries through going to some of the fine dining and and the markets there it's a really unbelievable experience in, in clean eating and delicious foods
0: yeah it's, it's interesting you know like the asian cultures as a whole i think have a much longer lifespan. I don't know what the actual statistics are, but I, 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 remember reading somewhere that the lifespan in typical Asian cultures is pretty significantly longer than that of most Western, you know, cultures, but obviously rice isn't keto, but you look at just the, the quality of the foods they're eating, you know, carbohydrates are not, it's just a minimally processed, wholesome source of nutrition.
1: And that alone, I think is going to yield a ton of benefit. Totally. And, and they're also a very active culture, um not not because they hit the gym all the time but because you know they they take the train everywhere and they walk to him from the train and they walk to the city um and they and they bike a lot as well um so that's operating as well
0: yeah a lot of americans have forgotten how to walk it's like a foreign thing i know crazy <laughs>
1: the first ever exercise i think even in in japanese corporate culture i forget what it's called well at least in in schools um they do kind of maybe once or even twice a day, everyone stands up and does these like calisthenics routine. It's a very traditional, very kind of yeah. famous from the outside looking in, uh, sort of, you know, Japanese cultural thing, uh, where they, they kind of mandate, uh, physical bodily movement in both schools. And I think even in corporate culture, like everyone will stand up from their cubicles when the bell rings and. And kind of like you know, do squats, do jumping jacks, <laughs> or air squats, or you know, I forget what it's called. I will have to look it up with you. And they don't have
0: there's many chairs there just in general. Like like people like kneel when they have dinner, right? They have like the little cushions that they kneel on.
1: That's right. Yeah, everyone's yeah. everyone's sitting, squatting, kneeling in all in all ways of life. Yeah, that's good. It's, that's we need to adopt some of those
0: philosophies for sure. So how? I mean, y'all are both at this company eating healthy foods, you know collaborating at lunchtime, when did the light bulb go off to jump into the foray of creating a a ketogenic food product? Like, how did that work?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, early last year, uh, we're we're working at the company, and, you know, at the time, Ben and I were on a project together, uh, and it was, you know, the type of project that was leading to a lot of late nights. You know, we'd get assigned something from our bosses at at 5 p.m., that was due at 8 a.m. the next morning, and so we'd have to stay after hours. And you know, while we were supposed to be whiteboarding and working through it, um, we started just kind of talking to each other about our own passions and kind of you know maybe thinking about next steps and what did we want to get out of not only this experience but future experiences. And that kind of led to our discussions around you know the keto diet and our passion also for for business and. Um, culminated really in a handshake on March 23rd of last year. I know it's, it's funny. We remember that exact date um, to develop a, a new product together. And, you know, at the time uh, we're both coffee lovers and we had this idea to create really like a, a premium all-in-one, like an instant bulletproof coffee. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a bulletproof cafe, you know, right down this the street from us, but there's really only like two or three in the United States. And in trying to make them either at home or in the office, you can create a giant mass as we we did in our, our office on a few occasions. So, we said, okay, well, you know, we love coffee. Um, Bulletproof coffee is certainly growing in its appeal and also kind of becoming more generally known as as keto coffee in a great way for people that are on this diet to, you know, to get fats into their system, kickstart ketosis in a way that's familiar to them. So, we, we thought it'd be a great idea and thought it'd also be kind of like a fun passion project, but you know, it really was intended to be a hobby that we would do kind of on nights and on weekends. Um, we certainly had no intention of quitting our jobs, but, you know, within days, certainly weeks, it, it became an obsession. Um, you know, we were kind of like meeting up early, early mornings to make up all these different coffees and, you know, having a lot of fun kind you know, iterating and it really got to the point where, you know, we had kind of a working prototype and we really couldn't focus on our jobs and so we we turned in our notice and a few weeks later we were out on the streets as we like to say because <laughs> you weren't making any revenue then right zero zero yeah zero you know? yeah <laughs> and so I, I think we've probably been on the streets and then 30 days later we had our our first sale of, of keto coffee which i think we got paid by by venmo from a friend but you know that's that's how the you know the business starts and from there we you know we've really self funded. The startup and you know, spent a lot of last year kind of building the foundation um for this year really you know putting the foot on the accelerator and and growing the business but you know that's really kind of how it got started
0: it's a it's interesting man a lot of people you know the, a lot of people want and aspire to create a business and they they have this safety net of the you know corporate job or just any job really um and it's it's a very hard psychological shift to you know pull the trigger on that and leave what they what they know to be safe and secure and strike out on their own especially when there's no money coming in yet like when i started my thing i i mean i quit a corporate job and I, I was broke i was dead broke i was i wasn't dead broke and you know <laughs> hearing other people do it too it, it's cool like
1: what was the i mean what was going through y'all's heads well you know it, it's very important for the audience and for people listening at home that by no means would we advise uh, someone follow the same approach of, of <laughs> quitting your job before you have a, a validated product or any revenues at all. Um, you know, we we were lucky in that you know we've worked a ten year career each and been pretty good savers, um, which, mm-hmm. albeit very hard to do in Los Angeles, but but we kind of pulled it off. And so you know, we we kind of did the calculus and said, you know, if we spend this much a month on our personal lives and we invest this much each into the business. You know, we, we could survive uh, for, I don't know, 12 months or whatever, whatever the number was. And, you know, we were passionate enough and bullish enough that that gave us the confidence to, to just do it. Um, but definitely, um, you know, several months in, you know, kind of spinning our wheels and, you know, a, a new business and developing a brand that, you know, has a message and can speak to people. It's really, really hard. And um, I think we underestimated how hard it was. Uh, and so, you know, as you do kind of the hero's journey, you, you start off, you're, you're charged with a passion, charged with an idea, you take off and you have all these wonderful experiences at the beginning, this sense of freedom, but then you kind of plunge into, into the darkness a little bit and kind of start to, to question and wonder uh, whether this is all going to work out. And there's, like you were saying, a lot, of, a lot of fear and a lot of insecurity that operates there. Uh, And certainly, you know, the feeling of going from having a good paying job and also having savings and kind of living, you know, a a nice lifestyle, uh, being able to buy what we want and eat what we want whenever we want uh, and going to, like you said, being like dead broke um, uh, and also dead broke with not a lot of progress um, is a very challenging experience, but you know, in our, in our experience, you just have to keep going. You know, you have to, to leverage your belief and leverage your passion and just keep trying and never give up. And, you know, sure enough and soon enough, you know, things turn out for the better and you kind of reach that inflection point And then all of a sudden, you know, it's all solved. And, um, you know, very recently we've kind of been able to break through and we're really finding ourselves and finding our customers. Um, and so we're forever grateful for that experience, but, uh, but definitely wouldn't recommend like (laughs) taking that as a perfect blueprint for what to do and how to quit your job. What,
0: uh, what was like the first aha moment, like after you had quit and you were struggling to, you know, generate sales, like what happened that, you know, sparked confidence in y'all knowing that, okay, we're onto something here. We are on the right track. There's, there's some validity in this.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, we started out with the keto coffee, you know, you know, quickly moving into the, the keto matcha and I'd say most of last year, those sales were, you know, kind of humming along. Uh, still a lot, a lot of friends and family. And, you know, I think a, a big turning point for us is, you know, we had we had this other product, the the Keto Snack Mix, um, which mm-hmm. we were talking about early on. And we, we had that in our back pocket. And that was kind of the one product that we would share with friends. and. You know, they would text us later and say, hey, where can I get some more of that? Or, or when are you launching that? You know, and we didn't necessarily see that with the keto coffee and keto matcha, partly because maybe our friends weren't necessarily like on a full ketogenic diet. Um, we started to think that maybe we had something here with the snack mix. Um, and, and we'd always say to them that, you know, hey, we'd love to give you some samples, but we ate it all you know, or even our manufacturers, we would say, you know, they, they need samples to, to evaluate. We, we never had anything to share with them because we had eaten it all. And so we thought that that product could really be uh, a turning point for us. Um, but it was a little bit challenging because we, at that point, had engaged a, a manufacturer and, you know, there were some delays. And so we were constantly wondering, you know, like, you know, when, when are we going to be able to get this product out and, and kind of find that validation? And unfortunately... We made the decision to, to go ahead and launch it um, early this year, and it, it was a bit of a sprint because Ben was taking off for Australia for a couple weeks in, in mid-January. So we're sitting there over Christmas break, instead of just kind of like relaxing into the holidays, we're here mapping out all these things that would have to happen in order to hit a launch date of January 10th, where basically we launched the product, we turned it on, and he heads to the airport and leaves for two weeks. and we kind of went back and forth. Is this the right decision? And I, I can't remember who you know kind of pressured who, but we said, "Let's do it. Like we'll, we'll just give it our best. Let's see if we can make it happen." And we spent a lot of late nights um, to really kind of pull that all together. And you know, sure enough, on January tenth, we we press go. And yeah, we had a lot of friends and family kind of buy on that first day. But like you know, sort of seeing subsequent days, you know, we had our biggest days of sales and. It's funny too because Ben was Australia, you know, in Australia, and and I had to pack all the orders myself. But yeah. it was a good feeling, and that was kind of one of the the first moments that made us think that like, okay, maybe we got something here. And then the thing that was most exciting about that experience is we expected the snack mix would launch, you know, hopefully it would do well. But what we didn't expect was seeing how our sales of, of beverages increased in lockstep with the snack mix, and I think. What happened there is is people looked at our our company differently. You know, I think before we mm-hmm. had kind of, you know, two sort of all in one instant beverage powder products. You know, and we were keto farms, and it was kind of like we were selling something that could be viewed as a supplement. Yet we had a name that kind of connoted, you know, real food approach. And so having the snack mix really made people look at us and say, "Wow, you know, that's that's unique, that's interesting," and and you know, if they can create something like that, I wonder what their beverages taste like. And so it was an interesting thing that, you know, it wasn't so much that we didn't have product market fit the beverages, it's just, we needed to evolve a little bit for people to look at our, our company differently. And it's, you know, it's amazed us to this day, how many people, you know, once they decide to, to buy from us, decide to try all, all the products. And, you know, that was kind of a real big turning point for, for us. And, you know, we, uh, very grateful that we decided to just kind of make it happen even though it seemed really crazy at the time to to pull that whole launch together in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah it's kind of crazy I mean like I I think of you know the name Keto Farms and Yale's food product I I thought that the the drink mixes were secondary to the food product so to hear that it happened in the reverse order is interesting for sure I mean what what um when when formulating the food product how did how did your decision make an end of that? you know, what that looked like? Cause your ingredients are all super clean and, and, you know, just quality food sources. I mean, how did you go about sourcing that and figuring out that that was the mix you were going to use? I mean, what was that project like?
2: Yeah. Uh, it was interesting, you know, I'm, in my past history, I worked, um, in, in the investment world, um, doing, you know, investment in public companies. And I worked at a hedge fund prior to the food business. And You know, through that background, I was at a conference, you know, just just before we started um, Keto Farms and looking at a couple different companies and their technologies almost, you know, from the view of investing in them. And I came across as one company that they made this technology that could take pretty much any real food, whole food ingredient and and dehydrate it uh, in a very gentle way, sort of a unique way that was different from freeze drying and that would retain a large portion of the flavor and uh, nutrition, and they're describing this this whole technology and you know all the different applications for it, and kind of the light bulb goes off in my head that says, well, you know, I don't want to invest in this company. I want to like use their technology, and and almost see what products we could create through Keto Farms. And so, um, you know, I kind of reconnected with them after the conference, and they sent us a whole suite um, of ingredients that just kind of profiled what this technology could do, everything from cheese, vegetables like broccoli, you know, fruits like tomatoes. Um, And me and Ben just just had a field day down in the kitchen saying, oh my gosh, like this technology truly is the link between fresh food from the farmer's market to something that could actually exist on a shelf or be delivered to someone through e-commerce or through Amazon, like all it is is taking Fresh food, removing the water, making it shelf stable. It's no additives. And really the, the possibilities were endless. Like certainly cheese is the one that, you know, everyone thought about. Everybody loves cheese, but there's so much more to that you know, around berries that fit into the ketogenic diet, tomatoes. I mean, even, even meats you can envision, you know, taking Biltong and putting it through this machine and, and creating crunchy Biltong that could get, then be paired with with cheeses and other fruits and now you have say charcuterie in a bag and so really our our kind of mind was spinning and we kind of tried as many different combinations as we could and really the tomato pepper jack and um, raspberry gouda were the two that really came to life the fastest and quickly thereafter strawberry gouda um, came in came into the portfolio and but you know we have probably 10 different concepts we're working on and it's really exciting to think that you can take any real food ingredient and turn it into something that can be sold online and without any use of additives is really exciting.
1: Yeah, man, it's awesome. So Something that was so cool and so interesting through that experimentation process, we would get a bunch of different fruits and vegetables from, from one supplier and a bunch of different layers of cheeses. And we had all these wonderfully sprouted nuts from another supplier. And so we had, we had all of these ingredients kind of spread across the countertop. You know, on on sequential days, you know, we would we would do this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We would call them snacking sessions, and basically, we would open the bags of everything and just start reaching our hands in and combining things in our hands, and you know, having a handful at a time, closing our eyes, imagining what we were tasting and and feeling the experience, and and really seeking that you know that that very special combination of of these things that don't really often get eaten together. And, and does that kind of click a light bulb for us? So That's really how, how we found the, the actual recipes uh, for, for the products that Brandon just shared. Uh, but the coolest thing about that experience wasn't really how it, how it tasted in terms of the flavor, but how we felt after we did that. Uh, we felt incredibly satiated. And we realized that after a 2 p.m. snacking session, we didn't need to eat dinner any longer because we were so full um but we weren't full in a bad way we were just satiated uh and and we weren't full to the extent where we had a foggy brain or felt like maybe we got kicked out of ketosis from having too much protein or whatever it might be Um, we just felt really good and we stayed full and that combined with how delicious uh the experience of eating these things were Um, we were just so, so excited. That
0: sounds like a pretty good way to do research and development. (laughs) I'm jealous. Um, (laughs) so with this machine, like, is it like, did y'all just buy one of these machines and just start playing around with it and putting different things in? Is it like a big dehydrator?
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, it's a little outside of our price range. For, uh, for what we could afford as an investment. I mean, maybe one day down the line, but uh, we really just got linked up with a couple partners here that that have bought the machines and have been using it create various ingredients. And so we've sampled just about every single thing that they can run through the machine. And now we're asking for even more, you know, custom applications and whatnot. Uh, you know, really the sky's the limit. And it, I think, you know, as people start to demand more, Unprocessed foods that that don't have additives. I think this this kind of technology is going to become really in high demand, and we're going to see the full range of what it can do. You know, I've kind of joked that maybe you could even like cook up an omelet, you know, and and put eggs to the machine and have just egg bites for breakfast. I think we're just starting to see what's possible um, when you kind of take away the idea of putting in stabilizers or additives and you're left only with taking a fresh food and making it shelf stable. Um, you know, we're really excited to see, you know, it's kind of early days for this technology, but, but right now we're just, you know, sampling ingredients from other suppliers.
0: It is exciting for sure. I mean, so much of the food out there nowadays to keep it, you know, shelf stable, just fill full of preservatives and additives. And I mean, nothing is really truly clean unless you get it fresh, but then of course it spoils much sooner. So it's it's pretty awesome that there's technology out there that's gonna kind of nip that in the bud, so to speak, and offer a better solution. Yeah, yeah
1: absolutely, super impressive. Very thankful for it.
0: So, what about um, what about like the, the big, you know, with with business? At least what I've found in myself is there's there's things that happen that totally kick me off course, and not say off course, but definitely throw me th- for a loop that I didn't really expect. Especially when it comes to the food related business. I mean, when you get into food product business, I mean, the things that you have to learn and figure out like you would never expect or think of it in the moment. So what are some, what have been some big snafus or obstacles that y'all have had to kind of reverse engineer and decide how to get through throughout the past year?
1: Yeah, that's, man, that's, that's a really good question. We could talk for hours on this this topic, I'm sure. Um, but maybe there's one thing that jumps out for us in particular, um, is really the concept of manufacturing and, and what that entails. And originally, we had this belief that we could create this brand and this business and this ideal that we could get a manufacturer that we would give them the recipe and then the manufacturer would make the product, package the product, send it into the fulfillment warehouse. And in a way, we would never have to touch it and we could go on surfing trips and <laughs> have this wonderful kind of remote lifestyle. Um And that was a lot of, there was a lot of misconception in that. And what we ultimately learned is, A, we're just so small um, and wanting to make so few units of each product uh, that we're envisioning. And so when working with a manufacturer, they're set up to make as many units as possible, like 100,000 to a million units of a single product on a manufacturing run. And so... Naturally, what happens is there becomes a misalignment of incentives or expectations where, yes, we might find one that kind of believes in us and is excited to sort of reduce their minimums in order to allow us uh, to get on board and get some validation and do this first run. Um, But at the same time, you know, them flexing down their minimum is us flexing up what we're comfortable with. And so as a result, we're feeling really tied and really anxious about, you know, the importance of this run and how much money is associated and they're feeling most likely that this is pennies, it's scraps. Uh, and so the focus on that side naturally declines, uh, but our desire for focus increases. And so you get into this situation where, um, you know, there, it's just, it's just not a good situation for either party. Right. And, and what we learn, uh, through that kind of waiting game or that process of unhappiness is we learned that we could just do it ourselves. Um, And in that doing it ourselves process is where A, we found the most joy because uh, we can try new things and we can improve the product every week with every manufacturing run and we can launch things more easily and try things more easily. Uh, But with that also, uh, probably like you're imagining, you actually have to learn how to do all the things. And you have mm-hmm. to make sure everything is, is staying stable and safe. Uh, and, and in a way, it's okay if you're spending eight hours to make 100 units the first time you do it because you're not selling any. But, you know, uh, the the great thing that comes with more sales is having to figure out how to actually efficiently manage your time and, and do these things uh, in a better way. And so I'd say... In, that would probably be our largest learning experience through deciding on a self-manufacturing model. And once we decided on that, figuring out how we can actually do this efficiently. So we're not spending every single day from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. manufacturing the product ourselves and filling packaging. You know, what kind of machines can we get to make this smoother and safer and, and result in better product quality and things like that? Um, So that's been a tremendous learning experience for us over the course of the last three to four months this year.
2: And and if I could just add to that, I mean, what, you know, people talk a lot about how technology has brought down the cost of starting a business. and, And a lot of that is, you know, kind of geared towards more software, remote type businesses. And they talk a lot about Amazon Web Services and Shopify that can get you, you know, a digital storefront you know, for just like 50, 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month. And, but what people don't talk a lot about is how innovation and sort of global commerce has also paved the way for physical products companies. And in particular, you know, we've been amazed time and time again that you can find these machines, whether it's on, on Alibaba or, or even on Amazon. You know, we've, we've bought machines that'll fill um, packets of our product in a very efficient manner on, on Amazon Prime um, for $500 and it shows up, you know, three days later to your house. And, you know, I just think that's, that's so amazing that you can, you can get that, you can get it spun up and you can really kind of control your own destiny. And, you know, I think 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been possible at all. You would have to go through a commercial manufacturer. And even if it took a whole year for you to get your product made, you know, if that was sort of the the rules of the game. And, you know, the, the further we go down this route and the more we start to learn about you know what's what's possible, you know, it's it's incredible for not, you know, a, a huge capital investment that you could really kind of own your own manufacturing facility. And and we're really excited because now we can truly iterate in the ways that people talk a lot about, you know, more digital focused startups being able to do like a software company. You know, we could truly do small run of a new product that that we feel Passionately about, and and we can launch it on Amazon, and we can get market feedback and get validation, and really sort of use those learnings to create better and better products that are, you know, further serving our our customer base in ways that would just really never be possible with the kind of conventional, uh, contract manufacturing at scale route. So we're really excited about that, and that's certainly something that. We hadn't heard a lot of people talk about on the physical product side um, that we hope other people will learn as they go down this journey
0: yeah I, c- I can totally get behind and agree with you on that i mean i you know we we're talking about tim ferris initially like i, I had read Four Hour work week i don't know how many times and i was you know pretty convinced that i never wanted a physical product i just wanted to keep everything online based and, and be able to work remotely from anywhere and so I, I was always very hesitant to start the keto break business and then i did and the, the rest is history, but it's, it's crazy. I mean, the when you make your own thing and you're as involved as you are with it, I mean, you get excited about things that you never would have thought you'd get excited about. Like, I'm excited about a new tape gun. You know, like like things My. like that just totally changed the, the day. And I mean, it's cool. It's cool seeing things come together. It's cool seeing how a piece of equipment can improve efficiency in production. And then it's cool seeing people that you sell these products to you know, are so excited to get them and then they excited to try them and just seeing the, you know, the Instagram posts of people having something that you've created and they're taking, you know, benefiting from. It's 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 the coolest thing ever. And, you know, nothing against a more web-based business or product or service, but having a physical product is just pretty damn cool. And I never would have thought it would have been as fulfilling as it is. But, you know, I, I tip my hat to y'all for, for being as hands-on as you are and taking such an active role because it is challenging there's so much that goes into it there's so many expenses that go into it but if you're willing to to push and strive and make it work i mean it's just it's just a lot of fun.
1: Yeah we we couldn't agree more. I mean there there actually is nothing cooler than making something with your own hands somebody going on your website or meeting you in person buying it enjoying it leaving you a review or posting on Instagram or sending you a direct email even in in many cases and just gushing about how, how great it was and and how much they loved it. It, It's hard to imagine, you know, something being more exciting than that experience. Totally agree. So, so
0: what's, uh, what's next? I mean, y'all are, y'all are kicking butt now, you know, you got multiple different SKUs, you're going to these conferences, like what is the bigger picture of keto farms?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, a ton of ideas on our, our roadmap and, um, you know, we don't want to give uh, too much away, uh, but we do see a really big opportunity to continue playing on this idea of, of real foods, clean foods, you know, simple ingredients and and reimagine, you know, some more kind of nostalgic or, or unhealthy foods that, you know, many of us that are on the ketogenic diet or even in our adult lives are, you know, really starting to to miss. And, and we see that, you know, a lot of the foods that we've come to know and love, I um, mean, you know, particularly it happened with coffee, you know, and starting to happen with chocolate, is these foods a lot of, you know, from, for many years have thought to need, need something, you know, need sugar, need things added to it. You can never just, you know, enjoy chocolate, 100% cacao bar, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we're starting to learn as we've gone down this route, really through the coffee and into our other products is with the innovation out there and particularly in the, the origin, where the ingredients are coming from and, you know, how it's sourced, how it's processed. I mean, there can be enormous differences in in the flavor profile and the experience. I mean, you know, anyone that that drank wine can under, you know, appreciate that. And, you know, we're starting to see that with with things like um, coffee, and we're starting to wonder, could it happen with coconut or or butter? I mean, grass-fed butter is a good example. And so what we're we're really going to try and do is continue to push the limits on what people think is possible with clean, unprocessed foods, you know, Um, and whether that's chocolate or, you know, some other reimagination of of food that people have long known as processed and unhealthy. We're going to really show people that, you know, with a little bit of attention to detail on, on the ingredient sourcing and the formulation. Uh, you can really have craveable foods that you have every day, multiple times a day, that leave you feeling great. You know, even even snack foods that you could have as a dinner and feel great going to bed. Um, that's what we're gonna try and do and we expect to have some, some new products here coming out very soon that all kind of play into that and all work, work together. So anything I missed in there?
1: I don't think so. Yeah, it's it it is just very very exciting to you know and it's it's inherent to our name, Keto Farms. We we we've had such great experiences shopping for our own foods from the farmers markets and as a result, meeting the farmers and hearing their story, the same as Brandon mentioned with our coffee, you know, working through our coffee supplier and and hearing about the story of the farms in in Kenya and Ethiopia and the farmers and their harvesting practices and their growing practices that really lead to you know a completely superior experience and one that absolutely does not need sugar. In fact, adding sugar would almost be a disservice uh, to the flavor, nuance, quality of the ingredient. And and that's what we're most passionate about is is kind of tracing. Tracing ingredients, tracing product concepts, all the way back uh, to the origin story, to the farmer, and how it's handled uh, from the time it goes in the ground to the time it reaches us.
0: I really, really appreciate that. I mean, I'm, I'm all about you know conservation being as natural and primitive as possible, and making sure your foods have you know absolute minimal processing done before it gets to you, and you know, seeing a way to support those farmers that have the same belief and depend on this. That mentality for their livelihood is incredibly fulfilling, and it's just playing a much more long game and healthful approach to you know your overall well being and all those involved in the you know circle of life want to just go deep with it. But there's it's it's sad to see so much processing taking place, and it's kind of like a dilemma that you're in because you know somebody that's just addicted to sugars they might not find your product sweet enough and not appealing there, but you're kind of playing the the card of look. The trends are going this way to kind of gravitate more towards a, you know, wholesome food product. And we want to bank on that. And I've kind of taken a similar approach with the with the Keto Brooks. It's like I'm I'm trying to appeal to that customer base because that's what I believe and that's what I want to get behind. That's what I want to be a part of. And I, I do believe that, you know, we are on the same page and we're, we're moving in the right direction because I think there's so much information out there now that points to how this can truly have such a profound effect on your health. And well-being that people as they become more and more acclimated to the science it's like they'd be a fool not to gravitate towards these more natural
1: wholesome foods totally you know and, and, and both of us it's like you know they may not be ready now you know they may still be addicted to you know sh- sugar laden products or or look-alike products that are you know heavily sweetened uh, to feel like those those um, those uh, traditional experiences but you know we'll, we'll be here when they're ready right because it ultimately does relate to how you feel and, you know, everyone slowly is, with all the information that's out there and, you know, slowly as products, you know, come to market that continue to follow these philosophies is is there is an awakening that's that's going on uh, with the relationship to food and how we feel and uh, definitely we're, we're playing a long game. It's great to see you doing the same and, uh, you know, we, we couldn't be more excited and passionate about taking that approach.
0: 100%. Well, I'll 100% vouch for the fact that y'all's, y'all's product tastes amazing, as was seen at that conference. I mean, I will uh, happily endorse what y'all are doing because it's, it's great quality ingredients. I mean, the macros are good, shelf stable. I mean, that's what I look for in a, a easy, ready-to-eat product like that. So keep doing what you're doing for sure.
2: Thanks, man. We will. And and likewise, really enjoyed the the Keto Brex, and, and I don't know if you're supposed to take a knife or slice them or portion them, but I just eat them right off the brick and, and just can't even make it down to the kitchen. So very cool awesome. stuff as well.
0: Well, thank you, gentlemen. Where, where can people go to to find out more about you and keto farms and snag some, snag some of that. Uh, what, what was it? I had the
1: pepper Jack, tomato pepper Jack. Yeah. The, the tomato pepper Jack uh, with sprouted almonds and walnuts. And um, it's got a nice spicy kick to it, but a really kind of fresh alive, um, acidity from the tomatoes it's mm-hmm. it's really complex really delicious uh, everyone will love that one so yeah every, everyone can find us on uh keto uh at keto farms instagram twitter facebook and pinterest and as a special gift to the audience uh to your wonderful listeners uh, keto savage is uh a promotional code a promo code to be used on our website all caps keto savage um for 10% off uh any new order and we'd love it if if everyone came and checked us out and gave us a try. Um really excited to be on the podcast and thank you so much for hosting us. No, thank you all for
0: jumping on. I'll I'll be using that code for sure cuz I need to get stocked up and I, I enjoyed it too much not to be. So thank you, gentlemen. I really appreciate you both, Ben and Brandon. Let me know if there's ever anything I can do to help y'all or anything at all in the keto space. I mean, y'all are got the right mindset, you're going the right direction. So more power to you.
1: Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you, Robert. This is amazing. Take care. Have a good one.